You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nice. It's stupid. That's a great way to start the podcast. Welcome <laughs> in, Bear Bones, to this installment of Bare Bones to IR and back again, uh, where we will look over this week's injury news and preview the Vikings game. What's stupid? Oh, the stat I'm going to be using for our uh, our fun stat later. Oh, well, you know, that's a nice little plug there. I'm excited to hear what that's going to be. Before we get going here, I uh, do want to talk about what has been, you know, sweeping the NFL landscape at this point. Damar Hamlin, uh, don't want to get too, too heavy into it. Um, we still don't know a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation out there about what happened initially, but the important stuff. Uh, woke up last night and was able to talk to doctors and family through writing since he is still intubated, which is pretty mm-hmm. fantastic, uh, even when as far as asking who won the game. And then, of course, doctors went with the cheesy yet important response of, yes, you won. You won the game of life because, you know, that was it was touch and go for a while and still is. Let's be real. He's not out of the woods yet. For sure. Uh, it, it's kind of a miracle that he's even alive, given what happened to him, because you and I kind of were texting back and forth about it, of what possibly happened in the moment, because it looked like a really run of the mill collision. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, that was a football play, which. Apparently, Josh Allen addressed like people attacking T. Higgins regarding the play on like social media and stuff. Like, get out! There's nothing malicious or mean or malintent behind that play. That was a standard run-of-the-mill football collision. I think what happened is the the reason we love football in this country is because of the violence behind it. These are modern-day gladiators who take the field, and we love the violence behind. You can put it in any sort of spin on it, but at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I mean, look at the YouTube videos that have some of the most views. It's the ones like top 10 hits from blah, 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 Cor- blah. You know. Correct. And I'm not trying to get on my soapbox about it, but it's one of those things like this is – it brings to light all the bad that can happen. When's the last truly awful injury that occurred on a football field? Shazier? Shazier comes to mind, Johnny Knox yeah, comes to mind, but to those mind. two still are different. So it, it's really like every probably half decade or so you get one of these injuries that it's like, oh my God, this can happen quite literally like a, the worst team upsetting the best team any given Sunday or Monday night or Thursday afternoon or how, whenever they play the game. It's It's more just a reality check, right? But before I digress, I really want to give a hats off to the medical team at the hospital he's at in Cincinnati, as well as the EMTs, paramedics, and all the staff members who performed CPR on this young man, Damar Hamlin, to really save his life. And someone like me, it's no secret. We talk about it on the show. I am a firefighter EMT. The baseline is please go get CPR certified. Don't care who you are, where you work what you do CPR early chest compressions can save somebody's life. Seattle, Washington has a program where kindergartners, the second they enter school, get CPR certified. 
it is the safest city in the nation to have a heart heart attack or some sort of cardiac arrest because everyone in that city knows how to perform CPR. That's my little PSA for the show. I don't want to sound preachy, but it can literally save somebody's life. Well, Early of chest compressions. Yeah, just to go off of that, I mean, the survival rates without CPR are around 3 4% when you look at studies. It goes up to about... 10 to 15 percent with cpr i mean you triple the likelihood that person yeah you're, live. you're you're tripling to quintupling the likelihood of living right and then you add in yeah. if you do have an aed on site which is another thing you should do at your business make sure that you have an aed around it now that goes up to you know 70 ish percent again depending on the studies you look at so right. you, you need get cpr certified check with your jobs is there an aed especially if you're in the healthcare field or if you're in a place where there's yep. large gatherings of people because it can be the difference between life and death. But to kind of get to the football aspect of it, you and I kind of where I was going before I got kind of sidetracked, because I was texting you like, because I wasn't sure if it was going to be like his heart shutting down, like, or if maybe he like fractured his C2, which is for those who don't know, that's like your breathing center. That's what tells your body to breathe. Like it's how you activate things or in layman's terms. Obviously there's a much more scientific way to explain it, but it's how your body knows how to breathe. And we were texting back and forth because if you watch it, really the, the brunt of it looks like his head snapping back. That At least that's what looked bad to me. So it was kind of like we were discussing it. It was just overall just a really sobering, scary moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's tough because you got to balance the thought process of, okay, well, what does that mean for football as a whole? And what does it mean for this, this person individually? You know, the talks of him mm-hmm. playing football need to be tabled talk so it's just can he get back to who he just who he was as a as a as person and one of those ramifications one of the things they highlighted was that he is uh his neurological function seems to be intact uh what that means is essentially uh that it seems that he's his brain his brain stem etc was not oxygen deprived long enough for there to be some long affecting neurological deficits. So they're thinking that he's going to have a full recovery, at least at this point in time, a guarded thought process in terms of uh, physical, mental, et cetera. And when we say full recovery, we mean being a functioning human being, not returning to the football field. There's a a conversation for another time. Yeah. Like if he can walk and talk and be with his family again, we're talking, that's a win. All right. I just wanted to put that out there because I remember when it happened with Shazier where he got paralyzed. All the talk was, will he ever be able to play football again? Like this guy has kids. Will he be able to get on the ground and play with his kids was like where my mind went. But I guess it's just when you do certain when you study certain things like I, I my background is in exercise science. I work as a fireman ENT like you look you look at things through a different lens and not just sports. You know? Oh, absolutely. And, and it gets so much far, more far reaching that a, a good example and good transition to, you know, talking about I want to talk about obvious shirts. It's uh, a company that I've supported for a while now. I probably had like 10 obvious shirts and it's getting it keeps growing. Uh, well, obviously Joe, you do. Joe Johnson. I would do the little bit, but I just wasn't ready for it. Uh, <laughs> Joe Johnson, the owner there, and he has a little thing going right now where not even a little thing, a big thing. Uh, you could buy a t-shirt or sweatshirt that, you know, to support DeMar Hamlin. You know, it's got a little Buffalo logo, heart, all that. It's fantastic. All the proceeds are going to the DeMar Hamlin's GoFundMe that he had before this happened. Um, so far, Obvious Shirts has already donated $14,003. And then that's just awesome, now, which is amazing. Uh, this isn't a first for Joe Johnson. 
Um, he's done this before when JD, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say Jeff Dickerson. Currently, I'm actually wearing that hoodie that I, I bought there. Did the exact same thing. Um, just a little information on DeMar's GoFundMe. It was initially established to support a toy drive for his community and sponsored uh, Chasing M's Foundation. And it was created to use as a vehicle to bring lasting impact to his community. Foundation supports toy drives, back to school drives, kids camps, and more. It's currently, last time I looked, up to seven million three hundred ninety-seven. Nine hundred eighty thousand um, dollars, but I think we can go a little more. So if you if you're a l- listener of the show, this podcast, you know, again, go buy a shirt. You know, twenty bucks, five bucks, whatever. Just throw throw a little something there. That would be I think fantastic. Yeah, Mason, the, when you said that, like the seven million thing, it's like it get I, it literally gives me goosebumps because it's like you realize sometimes there are there is some good in this world. And then you see other things like, well, who was it from the Indiana Pacers who walked in last night? Uh, the point guard, TJ McConnell, walking in wearing DeMar Hamlin's jersey. It makes you show that this fraternity of athletes at the professional level is so much more than just a sport. It's a it's a brotherhood. It's a family amongst these guys because they are only a select few. And then you see like the fan, the fandoms and all of us normal people coming in and supporting these guys. And it's just it makes you do appreciate the small good that we do see in this world when even tragedy strikes, I guess. And at the end of the day, remember this GoFundMe is not going to tomorrow. Hamlin specifically is going no. towards, it's going towards these kids that, kids. you know, toys and school and camps. And so it's just a good thing to, to do. Anyway. Basically for the underprivileged youth. So go ahead and to check that out. And, uh, yeah. On that note, we'll transition to talking about some terrible football. So, and terrible in the sense of just bad play on the field. Um, knee-jerk <laughs> reaction. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction, I'll start with it. It's, it's not as relevant anymore, but again, this is what, what I thought right after watching that Bears-Lions game, which was gross. Um, it was yes. how I would handle what I thought I was thinking about handle Justin on Sunday. And if, if I put myself in Matt Eberflus's shoes or Ryan Poles' shoes, however you want to look at it, and my first thought after I saw the game was, yeah, I'm not having Justin play this game. There's no damn point. I, I understand 30 reps could be helpful, you know, 30 plays in terms of ciphering this, that, and the other. But at the same time, it's a juice worth the squeeze. Seeing him run around like crazy, seeing him having to look at and throw to receivers that aren't going to be on the team next year, seeing him have to put the team on his back for the first couple drives just to get into the red zone and then get hurt off of that. I, I was done with it at that point. And, you know, as we'll talk about later in the show, He's not playing anyway, so it all worked out, in my opinion. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction was it was hard to put much stock into any of it. Like, I get it. The last couple games, we've seen some regression and bad habits rear their ugly head against teams with Justin, and it's like – then, it, of course, this game, you immediately saw after every all the good and the raising of the floor that Justin did with nothing around him. You immediately saw the Bryce Young stuff start right back up because they're projected mm-hmm. to be a top two pick. It's like, what does this kid have to do? I get it that, that Ryan Poles and the staff has to do their due diligence and, and do their homework, and maybe they find they like him better, and I don't think that's going to happen, but anything is possible, I suppose. Um, and then there's other things like after the second half, especially that long third down run where they gave up what was it 25 on a third and 20 or whatever it was. It was like, you just had to, that feeling of the defense knows it's under talented. They're no, they know they're already losing. They don't have enough offensive firepower. It's just for, it's like the old Ricky waters comment for who, for what? Like there's, they're 
winning doesn't do anything. There's no chance at the playoffs. The season is all of a lost cause. And then you start as a fan or even like a per, I'm, I'm guessing even the personnel guys, you start looking at the roster. How many guys are on this team next year that matter? Really? Like, start counting them. Roughly I, seven off the top of my head. I, I was going to say, you can use both of your hands. And you might not even need all 10 fingers. Well, and then that actually transitions pretty well to to my, to be perfectly honest, just to put it all together into one thought process. Uh, to be honest, I think I just have an incomplete grade for Justin for the year. Like, if you ask me, like, what grade are you giving Justin Fields? It's incomplete. Because while he became, right, like, one of, for a couple of weeks there, he was the fantasy quarterback to own because of what he's able to do. He was putting up highlights constantly. He put up two of the best rushing performances for a quarterback in a row. He's had, he had a couple really good passing highlights, whether it was the, you know, Vales Jones right. Jr. Pass, Equinemius St. Brown, um, the rollout left and the reverse rollout, right? Little dime to Dave Montgomery. He did all of those things. The part that's hard in terms of giving him a grade though, is at the end of the day, there's still some passes he's missing, but I can't, it's hard to grade that. Like when you're saying, Hey, build me a sculpture, but I'm going to give you sand and like do the best you can with it. Like his, the tools around him are such garbage. Yeah, it's like telling the line or the weapons. I, I'm just I can't give him a legit grade. No, it's like giving him your leftovers from like Thanksgiving a month ago and being like, "Hey, make a five star meal." And you're just like, "This is old and moldy and bad." Like, I what don't do want you to want do me this? To... I can't do this. I'll try my darndest, <laughs> but like, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know. It, I think incomplete is fair. I also think he's shown us enough to realize that they don't really need to do much homework outside of the baseline of maybe you look at Stroud and Levis or not Levis Stroud and young at some capacity, but neither of them coming out were what he was coming out. Right. Like I get it. It's a reset of the clock, especially when I would argue for as much as I like Ryan Poles and I think he has a future. He didn't do much to say he knows what he's doing yet. A lot of the reason he hasn't felt a lot of heat and a lot of pressure in his first year was because he openly punted on the season and Justin developed and ascended in spite of everything. So he had a little bit of that uh, pressure from the outside not being applied by the media or fans or whoever. I mean, correct me or co- tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, Mason. I'm just saying I'm just saying how I feel it looks. No, I mean I, I agree with that. It's you could you could use my sentiment for polls too. Like if they grade his off, grade his first year as GM. Again, I almost say incomplete because mm-hmm. you know this was the teardown portion. You know, it's like 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 we keep using examples. You have a house up there, and you you tear down the terrible old shanty house that was sitting there, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna look gross because you have dilapidated you know, bricks falling apart. Like it's, it's not something you want to look at. You got to wait until you actually build the new house before you're going to say how that turned out. We're in that section right now. We're in the gross. This is terrible section. So you get, I think you, you get some automatic leeway for that or you should, because otherwise the only other way you would have gone about this is if you go kind of the Jaguars route where you pay overpay a bunch of middling players. And also I think the Jaguars had a better, starting point than the bears did so like don't so that's a part of it too and they're gonna potentially jaguars are gonna potentially squeak into the playoffs and you're sitting there and you're celebrating you're saying yay we made the playoffs but it's like where do they but also where do they go where else how else here's what i'll ask you go look at the jaguars offensive line pluck the best one and ask do the bears have one as good as him answer is probably no 
would agree. Pluck their first two wide receivers, say Jones and Christian Kirk. Do the Bears have one as good as those two? No, probably not. I mean, Darnell Mooney's probably I think close. Darnell Mooney is the same, if not arguably better than Zay Jones. Okay. So oh, let's just go. I'm telling but that's you, not saying, an, but that's not saying a lot. I'm saying much. I, I, you're running a seven on seven pickup game on Turkey Bowl. Christian Kirk's to the right, Darnell Mooney's to the left. Who are you picking for your team? I know who I'm picking. Uh, Christian Kirk, because he has a working ankle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's your co- Mason caveats, everyone. <laughs> yeah, of course. Honestly, honestly, for, honestly, it'd be like a toss up. I could be fine with right. that. Like, I, I yeah. would be like, whichever one of you wants to be in my team, you come over. I'll take the next pick. Yeah, I get you. But you can go down the roster with a bunch of the, the rest of the roster with that. I think you go like David Montgomery, Travis Etienne, you're going to go. Travis Etienne, right? I mean, you're going to yeah. go with some of their linemen. You're going to pick a bunch of their linemen. You're 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 right. Your points is 100% valid. Right. It, it's just a very frustrating place to be in because it's like, I feel like we have the same fan base saying the same things, but from very different perspectives on it. It's like a, I, I use this reference a lot, like online, it's like a, a penguin on the South Pole. Here's the North Pole is real nice this kind of year kind of thing. It's like... It's we're all saying the same thing, but we're saying it for different reasons. Some people are mad about it. Some people are accepting of it and understanding of the process of it. One thing I've been before we get to Europe, to be perfectly honest, I'm curious because one thing I've been hearing a lot is Ryan Poles and the Bears staff needs to do all the research they can on Young and Stroud because they need to make the league think that they may take Young or Stroud or whatever. Now, I'm confused personally a little bit by that statement, just because, like, if let's say I'm playing fantasy football, because this is the closest I'm ever going to get to running a team, and I'm sitting there in the draft, and the person two picks ahead of me, I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced they're going to take a player that I want. Like, I don't, I'm just of the thought, like, if I, if you're going to take that player, like, I'm not going to like over, crazily overbuy because I think you're going to take that player because if you really want them, go ahead and take them. Like, if the Colts really think that the Bears are going to take Stroud, is that really going to change a lot? versus if the Colts think that the Bears are talking to the Raiders to trade up and take Stroud, isn't that more impactful? Because you're saying oh, we need to trade up and beat the Raiders offer? No, I, I get your point, and I don't know the answer to that. I, it, maybe. It, it, I think it's all year to year, right? It's all circumstantial, isn't it? So, like, take – here's the instance I'll use. Look at the year the Bears drafted Mitchell Trubisky in 2017, right? They went up and traded with – I'm looking it up right now, so bear with me as I get to this part of the list. They traded up with San Francisco at number two overall. Mm-hmm. San Francisco was never rumored to be taking a quarterback that year, to my knowledge. Yeah, and I, th- I think it was because they were worried about the Browns popping back up, if I recall. the thought Right, so why can't that happen if you get number one? Why can't two other teams be vying for it? Like, I, I feel like we're trying to play all these mental gymnastics when, yeah, yeah they sh- Paul should do the due diligence because it's his job, not yeah. because he's trying to drive some sort of bargaining war of, oh, maybe he's not sold on fields. Like, maybe he's not. I would beg to differ, given that, the Valus Jones pick was apparently very heavily influenced by Justin Fields. Yeah. Chase Claypool also apparently had a lot of influence from old number one. Say what you want about the trade. You and I have very differing opinions on the trade. Yeah. But if that's the case, 
Why are you taking input if you aren't sold on him? And then if you're not sold on him, what is it? What else does he have to do when you, as we kind of to recant what you said, you're saying make a beautiful sculpture out of this crappy sand or make a five course meal out of these month old leftovers. Like, and he's tried his damnedest. Like, like well, you you couldn't do that. You're gone. You're gone. Yeah. Like, do you know how ridiculous that sounds and looks? At least from my perspective. Oh, uh, like, you and I are on the same page on that. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I, I think there's a bunch of ways to look at it. Some team's going to talk themselves into Will Levis. Some team might talk themselves into Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Because even me, like, I bet on tools. If you, if you don't think the quarterback class is that great, which I don't personally do, like, I think Bryce, it's kind of Bryce Young, and I don't think he's the tier of Fields, let alone what, like, Lawrence was, because I didn't think Lawrence and Fields were that particularly close. I don't think it's as far away as other people thought it was, but my my that's just my opinion. Like he, what does Bryce Young do for you? Bryce Young, he's accurate. That's about. I mean, that's the thing. I haven't dove into these quarterbacks. Right, much, and, and, and I'm, I've and I'm just getting into like. Eh. I'm like, eh, they're they're good. They're really good. But yeah, like, he's a really good. Than what you have? He's a good to really good prospect. Justin Fields yeah. was a great prospect, and I, I know we're getting off on a tangent here, but it's like some teams are going to talk themselves into this. And oh, exactly. it, whether you, you end one, up, you need one team. That's it, right? And all it takes is one or two to happen. Say number one is Bryce Young, and the Bears are sitting at number two. You don't think the Colts are like, you know, C.J. Stroud, or oh, you know, Will Levis, because teams love the big white quarterback with a million dollar smile, like because apparently he's Josh Allen. At least that's what the internet tells me. Well, there's a reason why Zach Wilson gets drafted number two by the Jets. Uh, it was epilepsy, sir. <laughs> It's, it's the fact that people still use that as your excuse. All right, we're, we're on this tangent. All right, go ahead with your, uh, per, to be perfectly honest. You know what? We kind of covered it within the realm of that, so we can just move oh, on. Beautiful. Well, now, things that we found to be a bit humorous. Why don't you take that one? Uh, humorous. Well, I kind of found it humorous that people were getting legitimately mad when they found out that Fields was getting benched. Like, And the humorous part I found about it was, if you go and listen to Matt Eberflus give the news... This guy doesn't believe what he's saying. Like, it's like, we know what it is, man. You guys know you found your quarterback. It ain't worth it. Get to the offseason in one piece. Get to the programming. Get to get to free agency. Make your draft picks. And we'll see you in minicamp kind of thing. Right? Am I the only one reading it that way? Like, it sounds like a bunch of crap. Like, we've known he's been dealing with hip issues and hamstring issues with all the running he's been doing and the hits he's taking. But that's a little bit oversold. Like, we know he's I, a tough kid. I will say, from my knowledge of the situation, with all of the things that have already existed, like you just mentioned, that hit on that long 60-yard run did a little something-something. Oh, tweak it, right. Mm-hmm. There was there, – he is – from some smart people I've talked to close to the situation, it is a good thing he's not playing on Sunday. Sure, I'm saying if worst came – say that we're battling for a wild-card spot. He could tough it out. Could he play? Um – Trying to figure out how much I can say. There's a difference between what Justin would do to tough it out versus what most professional football players would do to tough it out, if that makes sense. I get you. I guess it comes back to – you ever seen the program with James Conn? Yeah. It's, it comes down to the are you injured or are you, are you hurt? Yeah, and then there's the yeah. Justin Fields one. There's another level <laughs> where it's like are you hurt, hurt? And like that's usually where he lives. Yeah. 
So it is what it is. I just found the way it, more or less just Eberflus's delivery humorous of the oh, situation. It just sounded like this guy doesn't believe a word he's saying right now. Yeah, it didn't help. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if he just got mixed signals from the training staff. I don't know if he just was nervous because of the questions is it, he's now going to receive. It or is it because he's such a – we know how coaches are, man. He's not coaching to lose this game. Yeah. Even if we all we all have a pretty good inclination that they don't move off Robert Quinn, they don't move off Roquan Smith without his blessing. Him and Poles are tied at the hip, whether people want to accept that or not. Like, I know he's not the defense or the offensive guru people wanted them to hire. He was not Mike McDaniel. He's not Kevin O'Connell. Or he's not pick whoever your offensive coach is. Brian Dabble, to be the most accurate for Bears fans. When you hired him, this was who he wanted. Regardless of what people think. (laughs) 100%. So, yeah, he's competitive. He also gave his blessing. But to to make those moves and move off the defense but it doesn't mean he's not co- trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. I don't, he's not sitting there in his office being like, all right, what are the, all the moves that I can do here to, to lose this game on Sunday? No, it's the exact opposite. He's doing what, what is What can I do to win this game on Sunday? Because I believe a win is going to do more for our culture and our locker room than moving from number two to number one, whether you agree with that or not, that's what he's. Thinking. That's how, that's how coaches are wired. No coach walks into the locker room after getting hired for their very first head coaching job in their mid-50s being like, you know what would be great for me at my first year of my first head coaching gig? Going 3-14. and 14. That sounds phenomenal. Right. I mean, like – and. We as Bears fans, too, I mean, usually drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, I convinced myself that they could have snuck out seven, eight wins this year because of this and because of that, because of that. I mean, the players and coaches do it, too. They look at, you know, every single time you watch like a hard knocks, at least once in that preseason, they say, we're all oh, zero and zero. You know, they, we all are, have that. We all have the same record. And from here on out, it's your decision where we end up. And it's like. Kind of, but also your team sucks. <laughs> like the, but no well, that was like, that. What was it the year that Jeff Fisher's last year in St. Louis or LA, wherever they were at that point, and he's yes. in front of the room and he goes, "We are not a seven and nine football team." And he was right; they were an eight and eight football team. Or, or no, he Stop, Jimbo. It was like no, it was we are not an eight and eight football team, and they finished seven and nine. Like you were correct; <laughs> you were a seven and nine team. Yeah, so it, everyone's got all of the hope in the world until. You know, the, the the first game ends, and then the second game ends. Yeah, and it's it, and, and I'm oh. sure it didn't help the fan base when you had the weird wonky wins against Dallas, who's a really good NFC team, and to open the year in that slog fest that was the 49ers game. Yeah, that I'm not gonna lie, that 49ers game really messed with me mentally. Because it was like, oh, cool, you beat this team that you weren't supposed to beat. Well, and, and, the, and the weather hid all the problems. And and especially because it lived up to what Eberflus and his staff are supposed to be, right? The coachy coach thing, like get blood from a stone. doesn't matter who the talent is. We're going to get every last ounce out of it. And to be fair, despite the record, if you look at some of the contributions they've got out of nothing guys – like again, look at some of the point differentials for some of these games. Like the record is trash, but they're not still they're not losing by a lot. Like they're, they're really not bad. getting boat raced every week like their like the roster talent would suggest. Until the Lions game, and then you know that was I think they laid down. That I, was I a truly totally different game. Yeah, they, yeah. they quit 
the team quit. Even Justin, like I don't want to call he's he I don't want to ever say that he's a quitter. That's not it. The there was a frustration there that you could see that was just boiling over. It was like, like what what can I do? Like what do you want me to do? Yeah, it's it's like for who for what thing? Like it it sucks, and and I'm not saying that in like a bad way, but it's kind of what it is. Like, what am I doing this for? It's like at a certain point, you can bang your you can only bang your head against the brick wall so much before it's just like, why am I doing this? Yeah, especially the way he plays. Um, one thing I found humorous was that the Bears let rookie James Houston get three sacks uh, that day. One of which was a, was a strip fumble. Uh, pretty. Again, like James Houston, I don't think too many people outside of Detroit know who he is. Uh, he's pretty – he's solid. He's he's a decent rookie. But when you have, you know, someone like an Aiden Hutchinson who should, in theory, be your main defensive pressure, uh, kind of funny that you let him get three sacks. Yeah, I believe that's eight in his five weeks of playing, though, or whatever. Eight which, six is, weeks. No, which is absolutely nuts. Like, good, good for him. I Hopefully he can keep yeah. stringing that together. Absolutely. All right. Couple more sections here before we end up taking a little break here. Uh, concussed corner. Why don't you go first? Um, basically, a decision that was so odd that the decision maker must have been concussed. Um, you know, I I struggled to come up with one for this week because the game got so out of hand so fast. So I I, I can kind of just piggyback off you if you have a truly good one. I I struggled with it like when I was looking at the the outline the past couple of days, I was like, I don't really have a decision that's like just, oh my God, I can't believe he did that because the game got so out of hand so fast. It felt like mine was the play to end the half. Uh, okay. The fact, and I, so there's a couple, there's, there's mixed things going on. So Justin admitted he should have thrown, just thrown the ball away instead of throwing the interception to Ian Hutchinson. Well, duh. Uh, Eberflug said that, you know, they were attempting to get in the field goal range. It just didn't work out. Cole Komet says that they were trying to run a hook and ladder. Now, I like the idea of trying to catch an opponent off guard and running a hook and ladder, especially because it was supposed to be a toss to Justin Fields. Imagine how the orgasmic effect that would have had across Chicagoland if you ran a hook and ladder to Justin Fields. Um, my concussed part, though, is like it seemed like no one understood that it was happening besides so, Justin and Cole Komet. With that specific rep, no one was running more than 50%. You cannot like, convince. They all made he, no sense. Like even the when he threw the interception, he looked like he threw that out of you know what? Fuck this! I don't care. <laughs> it, it's like he channeled his most inner Cutler at that point. It's like because no, one, it was like everyone was at a jog. Like does nobody want to play this rep? And my, I don't know why, but my eyes went right to the the top of the screen when that ball was snapped and watching the first two receivers go. And I don't know if it was just like, Oh, like, you know, cause the ball's supposed to go to Cole and he's going to flip it back to Justin. I don't have to do anything. Cause we want to stay way back here and have, you know, the defenders chill, but again, like, it was nothing it, like the, the lineman like barely moved like the, those top two receivers. I don't even know who was at the top of the screen. They barely moved. It was weird. And the thing that kills me the most, I love the hook and ladder because my senior year final uh, game of the season, we we're playing Niles North. We're down, and we ran the hook and ladder, and I was the one that got the, the toss. And I ran it down, like, inside the 20. Spoiler alert, we ended up losing the game because our kicker, I will not name names, ended up missing the field goal, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, but also, to be fair, I question to this day. I don't know if you have a memory like this, Danny, or not. I question if I legitimately was running 100% because I got caught by, like, the corner from the other side of the field. 
So I don't know. Did he just have a really great angle or was I running like 90% or something like that? So I'm a little sad about it. But point being, that was or a really great cool just slower than you actually thought. No, I'm fast as hell. You can run a 40 right now. <laughs> I'm fast as hell, boy. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait till my high school coach looks at this and he's like, yeah, you're pretty, you're decently fast, but like, come on now. Oh, I was slow. I'm not even going to sit here and defend myself. <laughs> but yeah, that was my concussed corner. It was just like, like you said, it just was like a I don't almost an I don't careish throw with Justin, and then just nobody besides Justin and I think it was Cole who was supposed to catch and do the pitch was really trying. So I just didn't get it. It's like I don't think they practiced it enough. They were all confused by the play call, or they were just like, let's just go to half. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I really didn't have one because even at that point at the half, it just felt like there was no winning that game. That's just the. Like, that's the feeling I got. So it's like, what can I be really that confused about when it's like, all right, cool, whatever, <laughs> game's over. Um, What was your stupid jaw-dropping stat? Okay, so the first one, I've got two. The first one was the Aiden Hutchinson stat they showed at the end of the game where he's the first rookie ever to have X amount of sacks, two forced fumble recoveries, and three interceptions in the same season as a defensive lineman, it was like, I think it's eight plus sacks was the number. I could be wrong on that. I didn't write it down, but that I found that to be pretty interesting. And then in, this is kind of like after the fact, but with the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud talking, should they trade Justin, yada, yada, yada. So to preface this, I am born in 1990. I am 32 years old. In that time frame, <laughs> the Bears have started 38 different men at, at quarterback. Oh, my God. Let that sink in. That's too, 38 that's men in 33 seasons played a football. They are averaging more than one starter a year in my lifetime. And you're including a sustained couple segments where Eric Kramer was the starter, where Jake Cutler was the starter, where Rex Grossman was the Un, un, unchallenged starter and Mitchell Trubisky was the unchallenged starter. I want that to sit in or set it, not sit in. Um, before you say certain things or wish for certain things, you have enjoyed the, you have ridden to quarterback land. You are finally at the land of where you have a legitimately good quarterback and you want to potentially move off of him to enter no man's land again. And I just want to answer it, ask this question to people. Yes, he's got his warts and his his defects right now. Yes, he has improvements to make. If there's a kid you're going to bet on to make the improvements, though, it's him. Why are we so desperate for the next cool, shiny thing that might suck? Because our attention span is this wide as a society. I, I, I think that has to be it, right? Or part of it. You just had a guy do something only two other players in the NFL history has done. But he's not doing it how I want him to do it. I want him to throw it how I want him to throw it. it. To, the, to this crowd of people who was just throwing out his rushing stats because he threw for like 2,300 yards or whatever, bite me. Rushing counts too. You can't just pick and choose rate stats or, or certain stats that fit your narrative. Yes, he's got to get better in the short game. Yes, he's got to get better with his processing speed. Yes, all these things can be true. It can also be true that he got better and that he was one of the 10 most effective quarterbacks the final 11 weeks of the season that he played. 
And I throw onto that, if you really want to, go compare his second year to Josh Allen, who everyone seems to love, to Jalen Hurts, who everyone seems to love. Their stats are relatively comparable in that second year. My comparison for him this year was if he can come close to replicating what Jalen Hurts did coming into the season, it's going to be a victory. Jalen Hurts had roughly five or 550 more yards, I believe, by my count. I, I didn't like I just looked at it at a quick glance before jumping on the show, and he scored one less total touchdown. I'd say that's pretty comparable. Pretty darn good, especially when Jalen Hurts in that season. Sorry, I'm not happy. trying to get worked up over it, but it feels like so, we're oh, just you should get worked up over it. I'm worked up over it. And because every time I go into the Bears Twitterverse or some talk show or whatever, that's the conversation that's being had. When you're on the radio airwaves, you have someone who's a Bears beat writer, which I'm again, I'm not gonna go dropping all that stuff, but then you're putting out there like, oh, it's 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 an option, it's part of the conversation of saying that Justin Fields should be uh Taysom Hill basically and go get your Stroud so he can play quarterback. Like, I'm sorry, you have a an obligation as with your role within the bears beat people listen to you and people are going to take what you say as this is a legitimate option. Pretend like you've watched an ounce of football take, and I'm, I'm going to go here because it just take, take your racist thought process of the fact that a mobile quarterback can't be like a legitimate quarterback and, and, and actually watch the damn game and what he's able to do and compare him. And when you're comparing him, comparing him to his peers who had better weapons around him again, Jalen hurts had more stuff around him. He had Devonte Smith. I'm sorry, Devontae Smith's better than any receiver that the Bears he had. Zach, he had Zach Ertz for a he period last year, and Dallas Goddard. Don't don't miss me with this, man. He threw seven, their offensive line seventeen touchdowns. He threw seventeen touchdowns, and his leading touchdown catcher was Cole Komet, followed by Dante freaking Pettis. What are we doing here, man? Uh, sorry, I, I know this wasn't the intent of the show, but <laughs> this is just ah. Uh, <laughs> it's just like I'm one of the things that bugs me the most because I'm fortunate enough that I get to talk to some NFL players and I get to talk to some it just with luckily with my position. They do listen to and they hear some of the stuff that goes on. You, you, you pretend all you can like, oh, we're focused on the game we're focused on this, we're focused on that. They're people too. be careful what you wish for, because eventually there's going to be a point when there's a decision of who of giving this quarterback a big contract. And when he's blown y'all out of the water because he finally has weapons, because he finally has an offensive line, and if you decide to like just create this toxic culture of Chicago and put a bad taste in his mouth and he left, I would be distraught. And I'm going to blame all you idiots who chased him out because you were you know pooing on him for these couple years when it was dirty. So don't be up on the mountaintop when he's amazing when you can't be with him down here when it's sludgy. 25 total touchdowns with nothing around him besides David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. And this is what we're talking about. And your favorite tight end. I love a fair with the ground. It might get broken off for 12 million plus a year this off season, but who am I? (laughs) Oh, all right. That was good. First segment. We're going to take a short break here. Cool (laughs) off a second before we head into the training room. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam, the soggy morning jog, the why is the dog taking so long, just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. 
Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. All right, we are back, and we're going to take a quick peek at what is going on in the injury world. Um, so, obvious things. Justin Field, hip strain. Didn't participate in the last two practices. He's out for the season. Done. We talk, I talked about it a little earlier. It's a legit hip strain. Um, it's something that's he's going to take a couple weeks to actually get over, and then he'll be able to hit the offseason fully. Um, one thing... We're not really sure 100% where Bare Bones is going to go for this offseason, but one thing we are going to for sure have, um, Dr. Michael Richer is going to come back on, and he's actually going to give us some, some insight into a couple of the different guys and what their processes or rehabs from their offseason are going to look like. Justin's one of them. So make sure you tune in to see how he's going to do things to try to help with hamstring cramps, right? That was if, a big thing. If you're the good doctor, is he the great doctor? He's the good, good doctor. I'm not going to go great. Oh. Now we're going to lose our guest. Way to go. <laughs> don't, don't listen to that empty here. It's all good. <laughs> um, but a couple other points that we want to bring up. Um, Tevin Jenkins, neck, put on IR. Michael Schofield, knee, got put on IR. Uh, Josh Blackwell, undisclosed, which is odd, got put on IR. It really sucks for Tevin. Had a pretty promising season. Was looking great at guard. One of the higher graded guards uh, was and was doing, was a mauler in there. And was hoping that he could go into this offseason not having to rehab. Right, just purely being able to focus on his craft. Uh, then with Schofield out too. So who do you think uh Bears are gonna plug in at guard? Um, my my hope would be play someone you don't have a full purview on to get real in-game reps. Like so Jadir Carter would be an option. Personally, I would really like them to play Leatherwood at that point. See if he can play inside or if he's worth trying there. Like I said before, again, my opinion on the draft scouting doesn't really matter. I just happen to enjoy it, and I've done it for a while. I graded him as a guard or an interior lineman coming out of Alabama, not as an offensive tackle, and I thought that's where he would be better served anyway. That's what I would do because what if what if he shows out? Then all of a sudden you don't have to spend a super high amount of money on a guard and free agency or maybe a high draft capital position on on a guard during that time of year. Maybe, just maybe, you have two cost-controlled guards in, in Jenkins and, Bo- and, and, and Weatherwood. Should he show that? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it should happen. I'm saying it's worth a look. Yeah, right? we're at a bare, bare minimum, whether it's Carter or whether it's Leatherwood, and they're putting good stuff on tape. You know, you have you have solid depth pieces because you do go out and get a guard that you're more confident in. You draft well, a guard that and, that you wanna, and you want to, or you let a guard develop more over time or you dangle them as a trade piece. I mean, you know, there's all a lot of options. And, and as you and I both well know, Mason, it's football's a game of attrition. The teams that win consistently every year are a lot of times the least injured teams. Yeah. I mean, look at this year. Uh, you were happy with, I was happy with how Jenkins played. Cody Whitehair yeah. had a solid start to the year. And then what happened? Injuries crept in. And then all of a sudden the Justin Fields awesomeness went down a bit because he had to run, not for amazing, but run for his life. There's, there's a difference. Yep. So, uh, oh, a couple, another person to bring up Patrick scales, apparently with that neck injury. Um, so they bears signed former Steelers long snapper Cameron Canada. 
to the practice squad. Uh, he played in 67 games over five seasons with the Arizona Cardinals and then the Steelers from 2016 to 2021. And uh, he was the long Steelers long for games from 2017 to 2020 and then got released recently because he lost a training camp battle to Christian Kuntz. <laughs> what, what, do, what are your long snapper takes? Uh, <laughs> just, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I think the only reason this is kind of the, sad for me is only because it's like one of those, like he's the last of the old regime kind of players. And once he's gone, like you're almost down to nothing. Well, that, and it's also partially like, say what you want. Patrick Scales is like, one of the most fun players to watch celebrate on like downed punts and stuff. The guy is just a ball of energy and it's not like he's a completely useless piece after the ball snap. Like you do see him like in the frame and stuff running tackles. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's in it. So, you know, it, what was your favorite part of the Patrick scales era? Cause I don't know if I have one <laughs> outside uh... of his celebrations. I mean, probably, I can't pinpoint it, but, like, one of the videos they tend to do, like, he always has some fun responses. Like, they do the thing where they put a question on a whiteboard, you know? It's he, like he's got he's got a personality. Yeah, he's a fun dude, you know? Um, and we poo-poo it, but the consistency between long snapper to holder to kicker, I mean, it's, it, it is important. It's ma- It matters, yeah. So, Pat, I mean, that matters Patrick for a Manley, winning team. Patrick Manley will tell you that. And... I would just trust him on long snapping and special teams knowledge almost above anyone else. It's not like he did it for 20 something years. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of like a, just a sad, like, okay, you know, we're, we're done with the old bears for the most part outside of really like, I guess Eddie Jackson is really the last of of that era at that point. But, um, but other than that, it's just, just interesting, I guess, slightly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the sure, Lions are going to be pretty much full strength. I mean, they're missing Garrett Bradbury. Um, the Lions are? Sorry, the Vikings. I'm still thinking Lions. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings, who are That's in Minnesota. purple. That's Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, oh, my God. Garrett, Garrett Bradbury's got a back issue. Hasn't participated in two weeks. Um, I'd be surprised if he played. I mean, back in the center is, is no joke, as we've seen with, with Tevin Jenkins. Um, and then other than that, you're not worried too much about what they have. They're going to be at full strength. Reports are they're also playing all their players because good news for the Bears, the 49ers game, which matters for the Vikings, uh, is not happening until the late afternoon slot. The reason that matters is because if the 49ers lose and the Vikings win, the Vikings are going to have the two seed, but it gets flipped if the 49ers win. So, you know, the Vikings have to play to win. Um, but to be sure. fair, I'm pretty sure they could play to win with their some of their backups. So I'm not sure that's a huge difference. Um, I'm with you. One thing I did want to know, because I totally forgot this, for Tevin Jenkins, um, I am concerned with the neck in that he, the previous injury that he had was back. Um, obviously, layman-wise, you think, okay, neck, back, super far apart, but it's pretty amazing how connected those two areas can be with how that spinal cord and dura matter connects. I was going to say, it's all one spinal cord. Uh, one short story that I wanted to share, um, I had this one patient, uh, she was a fitness instructor and was having this just crazy crop, like awful back pain. Um, and this is when I was a student. Um, so my CI clinical instructor who was teaching me stuff at the time. And I, like we were throwing a bunch of stuff at her, the traditional things, some of the non-traditional things, and it kind of got better. It got like 60% better, but not fully. 
So uh, she actually, the CI called in one of the mentors from another clinic. Mentor came in, did some, checked out some things and uh, asked this woman, hey, did you ever have jaw surgery when you were at any point? And the woman says, yes. When I was 10, you know, this is back in, I don't know, the 70s, I think. Uh, she had her jaw broken and reset because it was too far forward. And that's how they did dentistry. She was going to have a massive underbite. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, and she wore, you know, a, a whole head contraption for like two years kind of thing. Um, so the mentor went and did a bunch of release at the cranial spine, neck and jaw. Boom. Back pain went away. So long story short, this is all connected. So when you have someone that's got that low back for what Tevin did in college, then he had all the back stuff his rookie year. Now he's got the neck stuff. I'm concerned long-term that without the proper and maybe weird intervention, because not everyone does that. Not everyone goes and looks at the jaw for back pain. Without checking that, is this going to be a recurrent issue for Tevin? I mean, I don't need to rehash this thought process. The back wants its hurt, it's hurt. It's never going to be the same. Like, that's just my personal belief. But the second you put it, take a, take a knife to it and go in there, it's over with. That back is going to be continually bothering you the rest of your life. Yeah, it ain't it ain't good. So now we get the pleasure of previewing this game between the Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings, which that is who they're playing. Definitely not the Lions. That was last week. Uh, looking ahead, this game again. Current reports of the Vikings intend to play their starters. Uh, it, it's it's a weird situation. I mean, Vikings looked awful against the Packers. I mean, Justin Jefferson had one catch for 15 yards on five targets. Kirk barely cracks 200 yards passing with 205. Dalvin Cook had 27 yards. It, it was, I mean, their their offense is still better, good enough to put up some points on the Bears, and by some I mean a good amount. But like, it was not a good showing for the Vikings. Mm-mm. It wasn't. I mean, that frankly, they got boat raced, and it's just it's happening again with this Aaron Rodgers Matt Lafleur connection. Where come January and December, they're just a problem. Like, and it's not even like Rodgers played exuberantly well or anything last week. It's just everything else. That defense finally seems to be clicking and firing on all cylinders a little bit, and they finally have figured out how to tandem their running backs where. Anyone who owned A.J. Dillon in fantasy knew how frustrating it was to have him the first 11 weeks of the season where he's just not doing anything. And it's, you know, A.J. Dillon's getting consistent yards. and Aaron Jones is still Aaron Jones. And Bobby Tanyan's finding the end zone, I think I saw. And Christian Watson has been unlocked as a weapon of sorts. Like, I don't know how good a receiver he is, but I know with the ball in his hands, he's a freaking problem. And Romeo Dobbs is coming along again. It's just, everything just seems to be hitting on all cylinders for them at the right time. And that's a problem for anyone in the NFC playoff picture. And we'll actually chat about a little bit of the playoff picture when we get some of our uh, game picks. But in terms of, you know, in this specific game, it, it was so bad that as I was watching that game and looking back at it, I was actually even to the point where I was like, I was a little worried. Like, I mean, man, are the Vikings – do the Bears have a chance in this game? Like no. considering, hold on, wait, this is before no. things happened. Do the Bears have a chance in this game if Justin's playing? And then our <laughs> Lord and Savior Nathan Peterman came to save the day. I mean, he's uh, thrown what? How many? How many interceptions did he throw in that record-breaking game? Was it five? Four? Four? Four or five? Four? Five? It's four, bad. Four. He's not good. He's real bad. Remember when he was the talk of to be the steal of that draft as a quarterback because he you knew what you could get out of him. He was a pro already. 
like he understands playbooks and stuff. And then you're like, he still sucks. <laughs> and then I remember he ended up on the Raiders and John Gruden just like loved him. And he was just like, Nathan Peterman is my guy. Like, I'm so excited to have him on this roster. Like this is when he was like a backup, of course, but like basically what, what we're getting, basically what we're getting at is if you're drafting overaged quarterbacks from the university of Pittsburgh, chances are they're probably not any good. So here's another thing too. Uh, just, just <laughs> mind blowing. Right. I remember when Nathan Peterman got signed and I was like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you signing Nathan Peterman? <laughs> that was galaxy brain polls. Cause he knew there'd be a time where he needed to call on the services of Nathan Peterman. Break, break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> in case you're getting close to moving from pick number two to four, if you accidentally win this game. Just, and it just like, honestly, it was just like, I don't, I don't know that any other reason that that's, I'm sticking to it. It was polls having his emergency, terrible quarterback. Poles is out here playing 4D underwater basket weaving. <laughs> and the rest of us are just living in this world. And I don't know about you. I mean, I'll have I'll flip to the game. I'm not going to be watching it a ton. I'll be watching actively the Colts-Texans game. I'll probably be flipping between that and Colts-Texans. Like, I'm, I'm still a Bears fan. Like I th- I've said it before. I've tweeted it out. I've said it in group chats. In the moment, I can't bring myself to root for a loss, even if I know it's the best thing for them. I just, it's not how I'm wired. Like, I want to see my favorite teams win. This is just what I want. So you're telling me it's fourth quarter. Nathan Peterman throws a bomb to Chase Claypool for a touchdown to put the Bears up by four and that with three seconds left in the game and you're sitting there pumping your fist? Probably. <laughs> see, like, I again, I'm similar to you where I'm not actively rooting for them to lose ever. I can't do that. It's very, very hard especially when Justin was playing. Then it's like offense, hey, let's do fun things. Um, but, yeah, like when the defense was on the field and the Bills were driving, I'm like, mm, maybe start to stuff on things a little more. But, see, then there's other factors that go into it. Like what if it, the defense plays well because Jaquan Brisker is making sacks and forcing fumbles and Kyler Gordon is making interceptions and maybe Jalen Jones is showing something that maybe you don't have to spend a lot of money on a Jamel Dean this offseason, you know? Like – it, it there, it's not just as simple as hey lose. Now I don't think they're any in, in any danger of winning. I just don't. Nathan Peterman sucks, and you know whatever. Well, that's the thing too. Like yes, individual plays. I'm going to be like if like you're saying Kyle Gordon rips the ball out and there's a you know recovery for six. I'll be celebrating that. But if like say that was like the last play of the game and that was for them to win, I'll be like oh that's cool. Oh wait no, you know it's going to be no, like. This, I, like I will be, like I said, in the moment, I will be jumping up and down, pumping my fist. 20 minutes after the game, I'll just be like, shit. (laughs) It's like buyer's remorse. (laughs) We're going to do, and I'm making you do this, so deal with it, a brief preview of this Colts-Texans game. (laughs) Because why not? Uh, Because it's really going to be the game that I've invested in. (laughs) But, okay, well now... I'm not even ready for this, but okay, everyone's gonna have to wait because I absolutely have to do that. And acknowledge my bad jokes. So the last time the Colts and Texans played, it was they're both pretty different. It was literally week one, ended in a 20 to 20 tie. Matt Ryan threw for 352 yards. Michael Pittman caught 121 yards of that. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 161 yards. And then on the other side of the ball, you had Davis Mills passing for 240, and Rex Burkhead was the leading rusher for the Texans with 40 yards. To prep for this, I read an article on The Athletic by Zach Kiefer. Uh, his first two lines, and he's a, he's a Colts beat writer at The Athletic. The saddest part in all of this, they're not even trying to tank. 
believe it or not, the Colts aren't actively trying to lose games. They're bad enough to take care of that on their own. Which, if you're a Bears fan, should be music to your ears because you want the Colts to lose. Are uh, you the Colts telling have been me Jeff Saturday was a bad coaching hire? Who knew? And who knew that secret weird press conference where Irise, like, I still will every once in a while I'll go back and watch highlights of that press conference because of how cringy it is, just because it makes me laugh. But uh, if you want any some more reasons why the Colts could lose this game, uh, they since since Saturday took over, they've been outscored by a combined 86 points. They are three for 36 on third down in their last three oh, games without yeah. Matt Ryan, who they benched twice now. They've managed seven touchdowns in their last six games. Across the last 10 quarters, they've been outscored 97 to 16. And the Colts ranked dead last in offensive points per game, 15.2, only one spot below the Texans. They've turned the ball over 31 times, six more than any team in football. And on Sunday, they allowed the Giants to put up 30 points for the first time in a 43-game span. That bad? They're not good. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad, but it's definitely not good. <laughs> and, and so and now I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't know that you're really ready for this. But oh, if you boy. had an X factor for the Texans, what do the Texans have to do to win this game? Because I know you watch a lot of Houston football. Oh, I just I can't get enough of it. I just turn it on and I, I just go to town. I mean, is Damian Pierce even healthy? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I looked. I don't think he's healthy. I don't okay, so Damian um, Lovey is going to strap on the shoulder pads, go back to reclaim his rightful place as line, weak side linebacker for the Houston Texans defense. No, I don't know. Like they have like a weird quarterback rotation going on between David or between a who's the little running quarterback that's white that used to play in Detroit for a while. They're like spelling him and Davis Mills. I forget his name. Yeah, I but, had his name for a second, and now I don't remember. Like, but this is like a – it's like a race of who's the worst. Like some someone's unfortunately got a win kind of thing. Or not, I guess not necessarily. I guess they could tie. They could tie again, yeah. <laughs> they, but I, I don't know. I, I do think the Texans would win just because I think the whole thing in Indianapolis going on right now is just – such a dumpster fire like it's the simpsons tire fire like it just is continually jeff, jeff driscoll by the way jeff driscoll i was about to say jeff blau but i think it's that's david, david blau. blau yeah i'm getting my bad white detroit quarterbacks mixed up <laughs> um, but i don't i don't think that need to be anything spectacular they've just been awful um like, I'll, I have, and, I have they, and you know what say what you will it's similar to the to the season the Bears are having in Houston. They're not like necessarily getting absolutely dog walked every week. They're besides they're fighting. Yeah, I mean they're but they're fighting. So Lovey, I put, I put yeah. that they need to convert on third and fourth downs. Uh, they were six for seventeen on third downs and over four on fourth downs against the Jaguars. I, I was not prepared for this segment. This is not no. fair. Um, I, I know that's why I, I have two of them, so you can borrow one. You can have that one. Uh, the other one is pressure on defense in their win against the Titans, which was the second to last game they played in their most recent win, which isn't a lot. They were able to get four total sacks and six QB hits versus they only got two sacks and three QB hits. Um, obviously, that's it, they should be able to get after Sam Ellinger. That would be the hope. I think that's the biggest thing. That's former Texas long hair, great long, long horn, great Sam Ellinger to you. I remember, by the way, there was a time because he was in the same draft as Justin, wasn't he? 
Yeah, I, he felt like he was at Texas forever, though. It's like every year, oh, there he's back again. There he is. Because they talked for a little while. Because this is obviously before the Bears traded up, and like everyone didn't, no one thought there was a chance they were going to get field. So the conversation was Kellen Mond or Davis Mills, and even Ellinger was thrown out there. And I'm just happy. And this goes back to over the first half of our show. We live in a world where I don't have to have that for now. Prospect. For now. Don't 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 do that. All right, X now again so for your punishment. X factor for the Colts. How did the Colts win this game? Uh, basically, it's got to be the quarterback plays and, and makes use of the weapon. The, like you would look at the offense they have, and they have weapons. Paris Campbell has played well this year. Michael Pittman's a Michael good Pittman. NF, NFL wide receiver. They paid um, the tight end who I wanted the Bears to sign. Who I'm drawing a blank on his name. No, that was the draft pick. Mo oh. Ali Cox. Oh, Mo Ali uh, Cox. Yeah. Uh, they've got a serviceable offensive line. They should be able to protect someone a little bit. It's not like they're dealing with nothingness on offense. And the defense, even with Gus Bradley taking over that unit, and I think Gus Bradley sucks, has been playing like a top-half unit almost all year. The fact that they're losing games and the way they're losing them is a just such a sign of poor coaching. And yeah. Jeff Saturday is the ringleader of it. And they've gone through, I think, already three different play callers on this season. Like, where's the continuity? I think that was the thing, too, right? When, like, they were trying to pick play callers. I think there were people who were like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, when he asked them to do it. Nah, nah dog. Not for me. <laughs> Um, if you're someone who just likes football and is just interested in seeing how bad it can get, go read, go to, if you have an athletic description or maybe get one, like they're always doing something where it's like 99 cents for a, a year or something. Um, go read a couple of the last Colts ones. It is a sad state of affairs. Like they interviewed players about what's going on, what's happening. Like all they're, they're all just like, I don't know. Like Stefan Gilmore recently signed there because he thought he was going to make a little bit of a run and, you know, maybe revamp his career. And they see signed in the spring and he's just like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like none of these players understand what's happening. Cause like, like Danny said, they have some good players. Like my X factor for the Colts is, is Jelani Woods. Cause I think it's when he's played well, when he's caught a touchdown, they tend to have better games. So when they get that tight end factored in more, same thing with Moali Cox, he's one of those people that teases you in fantasy football. Cause he'll get three catches for a touchdown. And you're like, Oh, I'll add him. He's going to be, that'll work. And then he doesn't catch the ball again for three games straight. They just don't throw it to their tight end for some reason, but yeah, they have players. It's just, they all seem to have quit on Jeff Saturday and, I, from knowing Lovey and from knowing what he did with the Bears, from knowing what he did at Illinois, even with the Bucks, I don't think he's he hasn't he's usually able to rally his players around him and have players play for him. And clearly, Jeff Saturday cannot do that. Nope. All right, one more brief break here, and then we'll wrap up the show with some over unders, game predictions, and some bold predictions. All right, we are back. Going to run through some over-unders. These are going to be off a dome because I'm not going to lie, I forgot to do this section ahead of time. <laughs> Usually he was I too busy trying to ambush me is what he was doing. Yeah, I was just trying to get all my Colts text and stuff, and then uh, apparently this forgot this section. So uh, over-under 20 rushing yards for Nathan Peterman. Under. Oh, my God, under. Negative rushing yards. He's going to try to take off and go backwards. <laughs> I was wondering like, – I looked – briefly and he has a surprising number of scrambles for some yards so that's why i gave it to him but 
I'm going to say the under as well. I mean, it'll it'll be wild how many how little he moves the, the ball. Uh, Here, I got one for you. Over okay. under 120 for for Dalvin Cook. Ugh. Under, I'm gonna say under, because I think that they're gonna, they know they need to reestablish the passing game, going into the playoffs. They're gonna throw it a lot, and then eventually they're gonna get up so much, and then Dalvin's just gonna sit. They're gonna be like, Dalvin, you're good. Uh, like, it's okay. Alexander Madison, you go get your yards. Probably that's not throwing a lot because I'm just thinking like Dalvin could rip off a 70 and go the distance and just be oh. done with it. No, that's valid. Um, <laughs> Over under seven receptions, seven and a half receptions over under for Justin Jefferson. Get one last week. <laughs> Gotta over. pound the over on that one. <laughs> Hammer the over. So is this like a revenge game? Like, so let's say there was fantasy football this week. Like, is this like a week where he just goes off with like 10 receptions and two until games? they put him on the bench? Yeah. Like, I mean, didn't he have 10 catches or something in the first quarter last time they played? Apparently, the Bears' primary thought when it comes to guarding the wide receiver one for offense this year has been to not. <laughs> simple simple as that. Because I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown did the same thing to them in the first meeting. No this, this is fun. I'm having fun. Um, over under 1.5 turnovers for this Bears defense. Under. They might get one. But yeah, I was gonna say half, and then I was like, mm, I, I'm kind of feeling like they can get that easily. Well, especially because Kirk eventually just gives you the ball. Right. He just has a turnover machine. I don't know why. He just does. Um, and then over under 0.5 infograms, info whatever it pictures during it, the infographics game showing how close Justin came to breaking the record. We'll see probably two, one like at the pregame and then another like probably after halftime when the Bears are getting boat raced and it's like, well, if they could just get their running game established and then it's going to show him like with 1,100 and what is he, 60 yards away from breaking the 1202? So like 1,140 or 65, whatever he's at. Like, so probably two of them. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. I, I know I was a little down when he got ruled out. I know I said at the beginning of the show I would hell to hold him out, um, but I was a little down with him actually being out from the thought process of only being 64, I believe-ish yards away from breaking that record. But it's when you think about it, he only needs to average like 60-something yards per game playing in each game, and he can break that record next year. And just seeing how this offense is, is it going to be better? Absolutely. So there should be more passing. There should be all that jazz. But I still think Justin's going to get his rushing yards each year. I think there. I think that's going to be part of his identity going forward. It's just such a game-breaking part of his game. When you realize he is maybe Sans Lamar, easily the fastest quarterback in football. It's just a weapon. That's what it's about: exploiting mismatches. And how do you exploit mismatches? Having a weapon. That's what that is. He's a weapon. He absolutely is. Uh, game predictions. Uh, so first off, Vikings at Bears. Vikings are favored by seven and a half points. I'm glad I grabbed this game when it was at two and a half points. So that really helped me out for uh, for the little bet that I threw down. Who do you got? I think the even at that number, it's still the Vikings, and they're going to cover. That's just 
The Bears don't have talent, man, and Nathan Peterman can't move the ball. The Bears could barely score with a guy who just who just became one of three guys to ever do something in the history of the NFL. You think Nathan Peterman is going to change that? Yeah, I mean, even if Nathan Peterman is decent, which he's not, at times routes and this and that and the other, I mean, him behind this offensive line just makes – that could be a, a humorous if, if that was going to be a thing next year, thinking Peterman could survive behind this line. Um, normally I pick the Bears in a lot of these larger gaps, um, big numbers, but I can't do that here. I would pick the Vikings as well. So same time as the Bears game, as we talked about already, the Texans are at the Colts. The Colts are favored by two and a half points. Who are you taking? I actually think the Texans are going to win because I think there's – I don't believe in game-to-game momentum, but I do believe in, like, chemistry and locker room stuff like that, probably a lot more than a lot of our listeners do and people I've chatted with do. They don't like what's happening in Indianapolis. And if you don't like what's happening, especially when you liked the previous coach, they liked Frank Wright from all from – all, from my understanding, mm-hmm. like, why are you, wh- why? So Texans are going to win it outright. They're going to cover and win. I think Jeff Saturday is the, the stepdad that the kids don't want to be there, but he's trying really, really hard to be the cool stepdad at the birthday party. And it's just like, dude, can, can I just go hang out with my dad? Like, like he, keeps saying, he keeps saying lit and woke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's just a lot. Of, it's going to be a lot of eye rolls and all that. Versus, like you said, with the Texans. I mean, I, they they truly like and believe in Lovey. And I've said this a lot on Twitter. I'm very vocal about it. I think Lovey was handed this team to fail. That he's just they they thought of him as the bridge head coach to the person and they if, really wanted to hire, and, which I think if, is Josh McCown. So don't be. I'm calling it right now. If Josh McCown gets a head coaching job for the Texans. He heard to hear. And truthfully, what if Lovey kind of knows he's on the outs? What? Does he have to not try to put everything into winning this game? Put together the game plan of his life, which exactly. you would have hoped that would have been the 2006 Super Bowl. But I digress. So, who's to say? Um, Saturday game: <laughs> Titans at Jaguars. Jaguars are favored by six and a half. Uh, this is a win and in. If either team wins this, Titans or Jaguars, they make the playoffs. Yeah, I. With how Trevor's been playing. I think they win. I think that's a big number because the Titans play dirty, like in terms of they not like they're dirty, like uh, they hit the passer late and stuff like that, but they just muck up games. They make it very hard to play against them, and it, and they do it very well. And they've got a, a coaching staff that just they find these guys that they play hard and they're productive, even though they're grabbing them off of practice squads like weeks prior and they're shoving them in there in the rotation. I would say they win the te- that the uh, Titans the Titans cover or rather yeah the Titans cover but the Jaguars win. That'd be my initial guess just because I don't think that they can compete with Trevor Lawrence especially just because their offense is effectively is Derrick Henry rolling? No. All right, well Tannehill can only take you so far and we've seen that a number of times especially when were they the number 1 seed last year? And Tannehill was inevitably their undoing because well, that's the thing. You're not even playing with Tannehill, right? I mean, Joshua yeah, Josh Dobbs is starting. Josh Dobbs, yeah. So and oh yeah, I thought gonna play you're not even gonna play Malik Willis, who is your you know rookie quarterback you drafted in theory to take well, over. He, right? He's looked rough, man. They don't even trust him to throw the ball though. No, basically it's like hey Willis, run it. That's what we can have you. <laughs> this do. is your first read. If you don't want to make that throw, run. <laughs> oh god, 
that what a rough situation. I mean, looking at last year, like and the the dearth of quarterbacks, you know, where Pickens went, where where Ritter went, where where Willis went. I mean, Willis and he dropped a lot, and he still seems like he was overdrafted, which sucks. I mean, I wanted him to do well, but I guess that's what happens when you draft oh, a quarterback from Liberty. Liberty and old. He's already like twenty three or twenty four. There's a re again. There's a reason these kids have to stay in school for so long. I'm not saying it's a death sentence to a pro career, but when you have to stay in school that long, and it takes you that to that age to start dominating at that level of competition against 18 and 19 year olds, there's an issue. You're you're not wrong. Um, oh, one before one question because I think it was a good one here from uh, Donald McKendry. Uh, would a scan reveal arterial blood flow to the head of the femur? I'm worried about how that tackle looked. Uh, it's a valid question. Um, when you lose sure. blood flow to the head of the femur, you get necrosis, you get death of the bone, and that's where you get some crazy stuff happening with now hip issues and dysplasia and it popping out of the hip and it's never the same. Um, traditionally, an MRI would give you an idea if there was a problem there. Um, it, you would really want to do like a full out like arterial blood scan in order to like know that for sure. I was going to say, like, just traditionally based on my personal experience of undergoing MRIs, anytime I've had an MRI, they've also done an MRA, like, just immediately in the same session, just to get both out of the way. But yes. And you'd think with, with, the, with how the bears, I mean, what they have at their disposal, you would do that right away, whether you're doing an MRA, whether you're going to do um, an ultrasound, just so you can just see mm -hmm. the general arterial, blo right. arterial blood flow. Um, so it's specifically an MRI would give you maybe some hints that it's there, but it wouldn't show you for sure. But as Danny said, you're probably also doing you're doing everything you can just to make sure, especially because you, you hear the, the, the Bo Jackson stories of the world and stuff. You don't want that to happen. No. <laughs> um, Jets at Dolphins. Um, picking this one, just uh, Jets are favored by one because uh, if the Jets and Pittsburgh win and the Patriots lose, the Steelers, who after an abysmal start and with a 5% chance to make the playoffs, could actually make the playoffs. Hey, remember when there was a rumor they were going to fire Mike Tomlin? Remember that? God. Yeah, I remember that <laughs> garbage rumor. Uh, That's what a good head coach does, by the way. When you have a team that started, what they have like three wins at one point, and like, lost the defensive player of the year for a spell, and then you have you take the combo of Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, and that's how you potentially, depend if that if this turns out this way, sneak into the playoffs. Like that's a damn good coach. That is the coachiest of coaches, <laughs> and that, and it goes back to kind of our. You know, bird in the hand, two in the bush. We, we talked about that with Justin in terms of people trying to get Stroud and Young. We talked about that. I mean, Tomlin was on the hot seat last year, potentially, and now this year. Can you just be happy with what you have? Like, the, the Steelers are one of those teams, like the Patriots, who just year in and year out are successful. And the, when you have, like, a little bump in the road, it's like, oh, my God, I want to, like, this is awful. Like, fire everybody. You, you cut everybody. It's like, you can, you can have a year or two where you're a little down. You know, again, you have one of the best coaches in the league. Chill. Like, yeah, let things happen. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, yeah, Jets and Dolphins. So you got uh, Jets favorite by one. Uh, I got the Jets to obviously if they win, they cover kind of thing. Yeah. Um, two is not playing, it doesn't sound like. Um, they're starting either – is Teddy even playing or no? Because like, they, they, I know they just signed a quarterback – I forget what quarterback, but didn't they just sign a quarterback to their practice squad? They did. I know Teddy got kind of messed up, so seems like he might not be. Yeah, so it's or it's like some Sterling. What I don't even know who the, the, the I know their bat their third string quarterback sounds like a like a Madden created player. Like that's Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thompson. And then yeah. they signed Mike Lennon. That's who it was. Mike, that's an old friend, Mike Lennon. Uh, 
So I got the Jets because that's so. Jets. That that uh, Jets defense is nasty, and I think Sal has got them playing well. Um, <laughs> it sounds like Flacco might be starting, <laughs> which is awesome. But it's funny because some of the offense's most productive weeks came early on in the season when Joe Flacco was starting. I think that goes to show, and now, again, we we tend to do this a lot on the show, obviously, is get off the rails just because it's fun to talk football. But it goes to show that that team is ready to go to the next step if they have just a competent quarterback. So thinking about all the quarterbacks going to be available this offseason, between if the Ravens bungle the Lamar thing, which they shouldn't, but if they do, between Derek Carr going to be being available with Tom Brady being available. I mean, there's like actually a decent list of guys. The Jets are going to have their pick, and I think if you slap Derek Carr on that Jets team – they're not sneaking into a playoff. They're like legitimately in the playoffs. It's the same way I feel about the Washington football team. Not to like get get like oh, that's a team topic, for sure. But that's a team like that's where I think Derek Carr would go because I don't think that they want to swing hard for a quarterback. I think they want to get competency, which was the exact same thing. The idea behind Wentz was, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, I guess uh, I'm gonna pick the dolphins just to be different i don't know i think maybe you just like load up and say hey tyreek just do things um rams at seahawks but seahawks your are- quarterback's got to be able to get in the ball man have you seen skylar you- throw those are at least a four out of ten in terms of pretty mason i can't do this with you sometimes <laughs> i don't know i've never seen skylar thompson throw a ball i know he pops skylar thompson's not a real person he popped up. He was the guy, and the reason I know that name is because he popped up in like every mock draft I did. I think it was last year. Like he, they kept trying to say, "Hey, Skylar Thompson's still available. You should pick him." And it's like this fifth round. I'm like, "No, I'm not doing that." He's he, not he, a PFF, real, work on your mock draft. I don't like it. He's a real person. Do you ever? Okay, what do you what do, what do you use for your mock when you do mocks? Do you use like PFF? Do you use? Uh, like I I use an aware of them. I've used Pro Football Network. I've used PFF. I've used. Uh, the draft network. I kind of fluctuate between them because it's a di- it gives you a better idea of like where each board has different guys. Isn't the draft network the one though that you have to like pay in order to make trades or something? Oh, oh, there's one of them where like you have to like pay for a subscription so you can like actually make trades, and it's like no, that's stupid. But mm-hmm. um, why was I saying that? Anyway, yeah, because I think PFF that's what I mainly use because I think it has a lot of the functionality without having to pay for anything. But they keep trying to shove the same players down your gullet. <laughs> Like every single time, it's like you really should take the center. That, but then we're going to give you a C plus when you draft him in this round, even though we kept telling you you should take him. And it's like, <laughs> take this center. Why'd you take this center? Like, stop it. Um, I digress. Uh, Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks favored by six. Uh, I picked this one because uh, the Lions own this pick, which you know could make some the Rams pick specifically, which could have some interesting connotations when it comes to draft season. Do the Lions sure. trade up for a quarterback? I think they should because I think Jared Goff is is moderate at best. He's very mid. But that's a whole another story. Um, who would you take? Seahawks favorite by six. I think the Seahawks can win and cover. It's a touchdown win. Geno Smith has had a really nice season. I think Pete Carroll is a better coach than I really thought him to be. Um, and that's saying something because I actually thought pretty highly of him. But what he's done with this roster and Geno Smith at quarterback has been awesome, especially because – I fully have enjoyed the Geno Smith revenge tour of him just being dead, like effectively like a cowboy in an old Western who's been shot 12 times, but won't fall. And he just keeps on putting out his own rounds. 
Like, that's just what he – he's just dead man walking. He's got nothing to lose, and he's played like it. It's been awesome. So it's been, it's been, I've enjoyed the the comeback story. I think they should draft a quarterback, but I but I like I enjoyed the story. Sure, absolutely. So I'll pick the Seahawks to win and covered, and I just think that the Rams are just what they are. And I know Cam Akers has been better of late, but when I watch him, and maybe it's because he's just still not fully over that Achilles, and that wouldn't shock me. But he is not the guy that I evaluated coming out of Florida State early in his career. He's got he doesn't have that burst. He's a lumbering running back now. No. He, he, he's took a lot off him. Yeah. I'm going to go the opposite and say Rams. And the reason I say that is kind of the same reason, but for Baker, I think Baker is a guy who just, you know, as he had high, had that high draft status and then he just got shit on, you know, whether it was the OBJ stuff, you know, I think Browns fans not appreciating what they had. Cause as you demonstrated earlier with the, what'd you say? 38 quarterbacks that the bears have had 38 um, different men have started a quarterback for the Chicago bears since the 1990 season. It is hard to find a quarterback. And while no Baker is not a top five quarterback, I still truly believe that he is a serviceable quarterback. So when things are right around him, things can be good and that he can do yeah. stuff for you. So Sure. I like the, his little redemption that he's had. Just like, I mean, Geno's has been this whole year. Um, his has been. Like, he's going to go to the Jets. <laughs> that, that would be a that would be a very Jetsy thing for sure. Um, so I'm going to say the Rams. I think that the Seahawks the Seahawks had, had fallen off so hard the second half. Um, whether it's Geno slowing down, whether it seems um, finding kind of figuring out what they're what they're doing. Um, so I'm going to say the Rams on that one. All right, that's all we have for those. Last thing, wrapping it up, a coccyx and bull story. I'm going to switch it up on you because that's what I do. You're not Yay. picking one for this game. You are going to pick a bold prediction for the offense and one for the defense for the offseason. Okay. <sighs> bold? We're saying bold. bold. All right. Bold. Um, the Bears are going to add Jacoby Myers at wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted bold? Like, yeah. Man. Yeah. I said bold, not sad. Why are you sad about him? Myers is a good he's a good football player. What do you want? Like, I get it. And I, I I'm talking to myself even in this, because like this is not the year where everything is gonna change, right? It's not like this year they're gonna the Bears are gonna do a crazy offseason and things are gonna be amazing. But like Jacoby Myers to me is like that one step above a Mooney. You know, I want I, I want like two steps. There's not a two steps above. My prediction does. Okay, well, I guess I'm not factoring in draft stuff. I'm, I was thinking more like immediate add because that's the first thing in the offseason. Because yeah, you your bold prediction. You can do what you want. Do what I want. <laughs> uh, fine, go bold. They're going to trade back twice and pick Jackson Smith Jigba in the middle of the first round. There you go. That's bold. I like it. Cool. And secondly, uh, they're going to throw the absolute house at Deron Payne if he makes it to free agency. They're just going to make sure they get one of them, whether it be like, because believe it or not, Bears fans, you can't add more than one great defensive lineman in an offseason. So if they sign Deron Payne and say they keep the pick or move back to four or five and Jalen Carter falls, it's not saying you can't already, you can't just take him again and have two really good defensive tackles potentially. But I'm an idiot. I mean, honestly, my I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, can you imagine a front that had Deron Payne and Jalen Carter? Um, we said this for the offensive line, that attrition is real. Same thing on the, the, the line here. We saw that with 
you know, Thibodeau missed time. I mean, I guess he's edged, but that, that still exists. Um, I'm blanking. Who is the defensive tackle that was taken early this year? He could jump out of a pool. Uh, he missed some time. Doll. Oh. Jerron Gilbert could jump out of a pool. Old Bears yeah. draft. Well, not him. Okay. Um, but I can't remember. Anyway, he's he's really awesome, but he missed time this year because of injury. Point being, it's nice to have more horses in the stable. I'm going to parrot yours, and I think, yeah, they're basically going to walk in and just – it's going to be like a, a Floyd Mayweather video where basically Jerron Payne walks in and there's just cash on the table and says, this is your- <laughs> just, just take it. And then Jerron Payne's going to hopefully be like, oh, okay, I gotcha. Um, oh, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Thank you for the Eagles. Um, I was like, because I'm like, I know he's a bulldog. And I'm like, he he's the reason that Jalen Carter couldn't get like consistent run last year. Because of, because, how, good Jordan Davis was. Because of how good Jordan Davis was. Yes. And, oh, and, and then, you know, the other defensive tackle who the Packers took in the first round at the end of the first round. It was, and then people, and then once they left, I mean, a lot of college coaches say this once people leave, but then once they left, they're like, yeah, but Jalen Carter, though, is like better. Devontae, Devontae Wyatt. That's it. Devontae Wyatt. Um, lastly, oh, mine. Sorry. My offensive one. The Bears are going to add two wide receivers this offseason who are going to, once you look at your depth chart, essentially by 2024, make Darnell Mooney kind of your wide receiver three. Okay. And to kind of, I guess, piggyback on that, uh, I think that I'll disagree with you in the sense of I think they'll add one. It will be either higher in the draft or one in the offseason. Maybe it's like New Hopkins or something gets disgruntled and you can have him for like a third-round pick or something like that. But I think we've got enough evidence to show that the line is greater than the weapons in terms of need for field and what he does well. So I think you're going to see them if they really target something to fix, like go sit down at the buffet table and just eat in terms of like fixing a position group. I think it's going to be the offensive line. Yeah. My thought process with that was I was thinking, all right, there that you trade a whatever. I don't know. I was thinking third round pick for a disgruntled DeAndre Hopkins because they just need to get his money off the books. They redo a full out reset. They're done in, in Arizona. And your trade, like you had mentioned, trading back once, maybe even twice, and you can pick up another, like maybe late first rounder, like if you trade with the Lions or you get a second rounder, and you get like a JSN. And then by again, 2024, once JSN's been in the league for a year, a 32-year-old DeAndre Hopkins and a second-year JSN, talent-wise, pushes Moody down. feel, I mean, it's kind of to get off track with DeAndre Hopkins. That guy's had one of the most underappreciated great receiver careers, I feel like, because oh God, he was yes. buried in Houston and they, they threw him in Arizona with this whatever this iteration of the Cardinals is. Like, for all the fanfare OBJ got early on in his career for the miraculous catches in the Giants uniform and everything, Hopkins was doing that twofold. Oh, 100%. You know, he, he <laughs> leads the league in catches, amazing catches that didn't count. Yeah, too bad they don't count. Okay, because he has to. Because usually, like, Kyler Murray this year, or even if you went back to, like, the tr- terribleness that was the Texans before, you know, Deshaun Watson, and then obviously, like, when they peaked up when Deshaun got there, and obviously he could throw a little better, then, uh, God, who are some of those quarterbacks? I mean, they were bad when you go back. Anyway. Um, Matt Schaub. 
Matt Schaub, thank you. That was a good example. Oh, like, God. Because his radius is so crazy. Like, these quarterbacks are just peppering all over the place, and he would catch it, and he would just be, like, that close to making it in. But the problem is, again, you have a Matt Schaub. I just don't think that highly of Kyler Murray. I'm blown away. I think the Cardinals had to do what they did, but it sucked they had to do what they did kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. But, yeah, it's just – he. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins, even at 31, 32, is going to be worth the pick that I think you're going to flip. If, if it's like a third. I mean, there's some crazy Cardinals out there, fans, who are like, yeah, trade like a first and a third to make that happen. It's like, okay, I'm not giving you a first and a third for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I, re- I refuse. I, I don't want to. But that's all we got. That was the last episode of, of the regular season of Bare Bones. Uh we have some stuff in the works, what it's going to look like in the offseason. We're not 100%, 100% sure on that quite yet, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, probably less frequent, you know, maybe on like another other week yeah. basis, something of that nature, uh, sure. potentially maybe once a month. We haven't really fully decided that yet. We're still going to exist, just not going to be quite there. And then we'll go back once the season does ramp up again and, you know, preseason stuff, get a little more, more content out there. Sure. And I know what Windy City Gridiron, I know I'm a part of a something, a project that we're working on. Uh, and look out for Jacob and I to be doing the, uh, the lunch mail draft cast again, where we cover the positional groups there. Uh, got a lot of stuff in the hopper, got the breakdowns going on. And uh, it's just a matter of time before it all starts to come to fruition again. And it's just the most fun time of the year where we all get to dream and get upset when the things we want to happen don't happen. <laughs> I'm still upset that uh, – remember, uh, you know the tri- tight end on the Titans now, um, Jig? Jig. No. Jig. You... Oh, Chig Okongwu. I thought you were... yeah. I thought you said Jake. I'm like, who's Jake? Oh, Jig. That's <laughs> yeah. still my biggest – as stupid as it sounds, that's my biggest disappointment of the Bears draft, of them not <laughs> drafting him in, like, the whatever, the fourth, fifth round. I was obsessed with him. I was just so th- – I'm like, Jake? Yeah, for Jake. Yeah, for Jake Fromm from State Farm. He Jake Farm Jake from State Farm could probably play a little tight end. He's, he looks a little yoked. I can't tell how big he is. It's hard well, to next, tell. Yeah, when you're next to a pro athlete, it's a little hard to tell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's always standing next to like Mahomes, and it's just like, okay, you seem like <laughs> average, but for all I know, he's like six <laughs> three. Oh God! All right, let's get out of here, Mason. Yeah, that's how we're gonna wrap that up. All right, uh, bear the hell down. Bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.